The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Megan, do you want to raise your hand so that oh. I can say? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, hold you... on. Raise my hand. It's good luck. I'm telling you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we just discovered that last night. And we it, did. It was a little too. too it much brought fun. a lot of delight to us. <laughs> hey. Hey, that is fun. <laughs> Put on your headphones, listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Toonie, and guest will make three, goddamn army. Welcome to MASH Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film MASH one, finally beginning the movie minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Tom Taylor from the Indiana Jones Minute. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> I think about half of our pilot was me talking to Megan about Indiana Jones. So Wow. Oh, I will try bad. and restrain myself a little bit today. <laughs> it's all good. Don't feel you need to restrain yourself. Our our minute starts with people restrained on stretchers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> minute four, which is what we're talking about today, starts with the end of the opening credits. The credits are done. The music continues. We see wounded being carried into the hospital tent, the OR, whatever you want to call it. We get to meet... Radar, Volmer, Blake, and Painless, and Hawkeye. Our minute ends with Hawkeye walking out of a latrine towards the camera with all his luggage. As one does. (laughs) So I I don't have a cool jingle like the Robinson boys over on Godfather Minute. This is different from the book. (laughs) (laughs) In the book, it begins with Radar playing poker. We get a little background on him, who he is, how he's ended up in Korea. And he uses his amazing hearing to overhear Blake requesting two surgeons on the phone in another building. Oh, so is that like a peek into his superpower or something? Yeah, Yeah. right off the bat with Radar. That's fascinating. Which makes me like better that the TV show always starts with Radar being able to hear. It's a little more true to his spirit. But it's Robert Altman, so we had to have overlapping dialogue (laughs) to begin. That is pretty awesome. This is true. We've got four guys and a chopper on camera. Yeah, why is uh why is Painless there, the dentist? Why is he in, needed like on the spot, like as as wounded guys are coming in? I mean, maybe they need dental work. No, maybe. I guess <laughs> they're clearly possible. short-handed, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I true. have a feeling it's that, and he can do so. Uh, he could wow. do like triage, probably, right? I mean, at that point, if they're just coming off the chopper. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, because they have... In theory, he has enough medical knowledge to know if someone needs a doctor right that second, yeah. or if it's just a, yeah. a, a flesh wound, to quote Monty Python, but, you know. This guy um, should have two arms. Exactly. put him in this area over here. I wonder if Painless is an oral surgeon. Oh. Or just a dentist. Because when you have your wisdom teeth out... <laughs> 
right. to see an oral surgeon, which would make sense, you know, if they're... Because I was thinking, well, he can repair jaws and stuff. Maybe they knew no. someone was coming in that needed that, but I, I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm making a note. <laughs> I'm not complaining that he's there. I like him a lot, and I like seeing him there. Yeah. I'm just, uh, the, the question came to me. I like and it. I had to ask. We're all about the hypothetical questions. <laughs> We're good Actually, uh, I saw John Shuck once in on Broadway as Daddy Warbucks in Annie. <laughs> what? In like the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he go bald? He was, uh, I think he was wearing a bald cap, but he was okay. bald. Yeah, I mean, you know, the character was bald, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Alice Ghostly from Bewitched was, I think, Mrs. Hannigan or whatever. Oh, that, that must be yeah. great. Cool. Wow. Yeah. I've met a lot of people in this movie, but he did not come to the Remembering Robert Altman night at Boston University when I worked there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I didn't get to, or I should look that up now. I didn't meet him. Okay. I should dig out the program and see if he was there. And I, when I say met, I mean, I stood in a lobby with many other people and kind of talked to Elliot Gould. Oh, nice. And then he decided to go out for drinks with other people who had much more connection to him than I did, <laughs> working in the law library for about two weeks at that point. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'll have to look. A lot of them were there. Catherine Altman was there. Wow. <sighs> can That's I, awesome. Can, I, I fe- I'm feeling a little bad because I kind of crapped on Robert Altman in our pilot and that's really not fair. He is a very good director and has made great movies. How'd you crap on him? Um <laughs> not to rehash, you know, I, you know. <laughs> That's all right. Um, uh, well we're clearly fans of the T V show. I think we found Mash through the T V show first. Okay. So there and he wasn't a fan of the television show, right? I, I think no. Tyranny what was his exact words was something like the TV television show was racist. Yes. Um, oh interesting. Uh, which is kind of interesting because they're both very anti war. Mm-hmm. Both very Vietnam's not a good thing, even though it's not Vietnam, right? I mean, it's Korea. But <laughs> right. um, oh, oh, oh no! I mean, I said you know things, but and then um, there was Korea, and there was Korea, <laughs> <laughs> and there was Korea. <laughs> He's a very opinionated kind of guy, anyway. Robert sure. Altman. Yes, yes. He had his ideas about what was okay and what you did and what you didn't do, and mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't think he's the end-all, be-all genius. No, I, I don't think so either. I think he's the end-all, be-all genius. He's probably my favorite. Well, I don't know. He's in the top three or something of my favorite directors. Oh, but I'm really I glad we have you, you like on then. <laughs> no, this is, someone needs to keep us on task. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I adore him. I, adore, I, I mean, personally, he might have been, I don't know, kind of a crank or something. I don't know, but yeah, no, I love he strikes me as a kind of cranky guy, a little bit. Yeah. But, like, if you were in with him and he thought you were cool, maybe that'd be great. I don't know. I think that's it. I think you had to be in with him. Yeah. And while I appreciate that some people were, let me just scroll to my notes on Donald Sutherland. (laughs) 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 Who was not in with him. Right. (laughs) Because when he's interviewed, and to be fair, Donald Sutherland says in a special feature for this movie... I was signed before any of the other actors or the director. First thing Altman did was try to get me fired. When that <laughs> failed, he tried to get my billing changed to below Gould. Oh, wow. So, oh. I, to be fair, Ooh. this did not kick off well. 
Then Dal and Sutherland made friends with Gould, and that was lovely. Then they tried to get Altman fired. I mean, it, it was a whole back and It's forth. like middle school. It's it like is. MASH on MASH, you know? It, it really is like middle school. I also love that in two interviews from the same year, 1976, he completely contradicts himself. Robert Altman, rather. Oh, really? um, yeah, in one, he calls Donald Sutherland an enemy. Mm. Oh. Yet Sutherland insists that he respects Altman completely. Sutherland's subtle reservations about Altman as a director. <laughs> communication. From the same year in the Playboy interview, he said Donald Sutherland on MASH loved working that way, and his improvisation was profound. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. They might not be totally bit. mutually exclusive, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Eh. There was some drama. <laughs> yeah. But it hey, happened. It <laughs> <laughs> they made a good movie. They did. That's what's important. That's what all that matters in the end, right? That's what we're here for. The other thing that I had looked up about Donald Sutherland, I just really love Donald Sutherland quotes, so I'm really sorry. Yeah. I'm going to try not to do this constantly. And I really actually should probably try and look up drops and see if I can get Donald Sutherland to sue me along with Steven Spielberg, who <laughs> I've been writing fanfic about since 1993. Oh, I, he, apparently at one point, Donald Sutherland said, I was up for a great part, but they told me, sorry, you're the best actor, but this part calls for a guy next door type. And you don't look like you... as." You don't look as if you've ever lived next door to anyone. <laughs> oh. And I thought of that wow. for this minute as he comes swaggering around that corner, <laughs> juggling his bags. And then he goes in to star in a movie called Ordinary People. You see? You just don't know what to believe. Wait. He, oh, that's right. He wasn't Ordinary People. Oh, my God, yeah. I forgot that. Oh, yeah. He makes oh. me cry in that movie. I remember watching that in <laughs> high school. Yeah. Oh. Your high school was cooler than mine. What the heck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why we were watching it. It was an English class, so well, yeah. It was a book. It was maybe, a book. Maybe, maybe that's you why. The book, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't one of those like movies they show like right before you go on vacation, you know, for <laughs> or something, and they're just we're trying done. to be like, Watch nobody it. wants to be here, but we uh, need to. We need to have lunch so it counts as a school day. <laughs> what can we show you? Um, I know. Oh yeah. How long were per- were they? Forty two minutes. No, we had, bo- the- we had block scheduling, oh. so we could get ready for quote unquote college, oh. and so we had four classes. They were ninety minutes each. Okay. Except for third block, which had lunches, so it was kind of wacky, but... Eh. See, that would have worked well for me. I've seen the first 40 minutes of the meaning Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Like, <laughs> and that's eight it? times. Yeah, it was my AP history did you, did you ever? Movie. Did you ever see... Have you ever seen the ending, then? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay. I've seen the whole thing. But you just did stuff at minute 42, and you're like, oh, I We would always start it from the beginning. We did not think it through. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, before I get into our quotes, even though we've already Koreaed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to be our new thing? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. We have Koreaed. <laughs> Someday I'll tell Korea. the saddest story ever told <laughs> of oh. me and Koreaed, how I didn't get to go. No, it, it, because he says that at this point in his commentary, Robert Altman talks about how everything looks so good because apparently the back lot had flooded. And oh, wiped wow. out everything, gave him a clean slate. But I just love the idea of him looking at this motor pool, looking at this muddy track, <laughs> and being like, oh, this looks great. It is pretty good. I mean, it's muddy, and it makes me a little anxious, but it's it looks good. It look, looks legit. Not that I've ever been in a war in Korea, but you know what I mean. It looks valid. 
<laughs> if you told me that latrine was in Korea, I'd believe you. <laughs> Says right there, Korea. Korea. So, yeah. Uh, do I really need to say, if you're listening to a podcast analyzing MASH one minute at a time, that there's some whoopsie whoopsie willy nilly timey wimey about which war this is in? Right. Yeah. And didn't they make them put this the, the this crawl in there or something to like yes. say no 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 this is Korea. Yeah. It's MacArthur guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, so apparently Robert Altman had specifically left out any reference to Korea. Yeah. So that it could be whatever you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. We all know what he wanted it to be. <laughs> and then the studio forced him to put this in. They said you need to do this. So this fanfare is called the Dedication Scroll Song, which mm-hmm. makes me think Johnny Mandel doesn't know what a dedication is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a fanfare. I think these quotes and this music are actually undermining the studio that made him put it in. I kind of think you're right. Hmm. I think that more in the next minute, but I kind of had similar thoughts about that. We're not alone, Tom. Okay. Someone who wrote a book on the music in Robert Altman's films said that it mocks the standard war film score. Oh, sure. Oh, now, yeah. She also claims that's because it's undercut by images of Hawkeye stealing a Jeep. And I think it's much more that he's exiting a latrine. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty clear <laughs> what they're going for here. But I also think the MacArthur quote is against the, like, is an anti-war thing. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, wait, the first one is Eisenhower? Oh, no, the first no, one is MacArthur. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the next, okay, the next minute we get Eisenhower, okay. Where he says the K-word. <laughs> well, we have, and then there was Korea. We know it's here. <laughs> this incredibly famous speech, the whole thing's 35 minutes. I'm not reading the whole thing. Please mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> Old soldiers never die, fade away. I've left your fighting sons in Korea. It's his farewell address to Congress. Yeah. After being relieved by Truman. That's a whole indictment. And and that the part of that speech beforehand is all about how stupid it is to be mired in a land war in Southeast Asia. (laughs) Yeah, it's the choice of Korea specific quotes is is pretty uh cutting feels a little bit like a middle finger like okay i'll put in some korea stuff here you go (laughs) take that yeah yeah his whole thing was to go against prolonged indecision that and to be fair for those who don't know truman relieved macarthur of the command a lot of places say he accused him of insubordination he didn't actually charge him with that because then he would have had to be court-martialed and actually, Truman wasn't sure he would win that. <laughs> uh, so he didn't formally charge him with insubordination. But basically, MacArthur went public saying, we need to start bombing the crapola out of things. And Truman was like, could we not bring China and the Soviet <laughs> Union into this? Uh, at one point, there were remarks that basically implied that MacArthur was in charge of deciding whether or not to drop the bomb. That did not go over well with Harry. Wow. So it just kept building. And finally, you know, Truman's trying to negotiate a ceasefire. MacArthur's advocating to expand the war. And, uh, 
he finally just said, look, you're out of there. You're not commander of the United Nations forces in South Korea anymore. The problem is there was a scheduling snafu, and the person who was supposed to tell MacArthur this didn't reach him in time. So MacArthur found out he was fired from his wife at a luncheon because someone had overheard (laughs) the radio announcement that Truman made and whispered it to Mrs. MacArthur. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, he was still incredibly popular afterwards. This speaking before both houses of Congress was unprecedented. It kind of screwed Truman's popularity rating and is still used as one of the examples of arguing civilian leadership for the and for an apolitical military. Huh. So, yeah, they did not get along. And I think, <laughs> oh, I, I think using his farewell address. Yeah. I mean, there had to be other quotes with Korea <laughs> Exactly. Or just do the first. Could you do just the first half of the quote? Because they're not to get, you know, they've done their best there. And I can report to you without reservation that they are splendid in every way. Yeah. And that could have been the end of the quote on screen, but it wasn't. (laughs) Right. That's kind of the only way to. It's the only context in which I get these quotes that they make sense to me. They're kind of like, blah, blah, Korea. Like, they literally <laughs> grabbed the first things they found that had Korea in them. This is famous. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. This will get the suits off my back so I can make my movie. <laughs> Don't they have other wars to run? Yeah. <laughs> really excited. That's uh, my other favorite thing. I don't know where to fit it in, so I'll say it here. If you do watch the director's commentary from Ash, I love that he always refers to Tor 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 and Patton as Fox's other two wars, <laughs> not their Ooh. war films. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, he is consistent in that, and I find it very charming. <laughs> you want to hear Truman say a dirty word? Sure. Izzy does. Izzy, yeah, my child yeah. does. Or In the early 60s, Truman was saying, I fired him because he wouldn't respect the authority of the president. I didn't fire him because he was a dumb son of a bitch, although he was. <laughs> 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 And I just think this stuff was floating around out there. Robert Altman knew that MacArthur leaving Korea was super contentious. Sorry, I go down rabbit holes with the (laughs) military history, you may have noticed. I'm picking up on that. I'm sorry. Do you want to know the five five star general? (laughs) 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 I gotta do something with it. (laughs) I gotta do something with it. And clearly podcasting is it. <laughs> Ta-da! Put uh, that in your alumni newsletter. <laughs> Megan! What? We can submit this to the alumni newsletter! Oh, oh. my god, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I use my research skills that I learned in Gisla's and as a history major in a new podcast called Mash Minute, co-hosted <laughs> by a Gisla's alum who still insists on calling it Gisla's. Um, uh, pretty much, yeah. We met Going to school in Boston. We're nice. gonna find we're gonna find out a connection to Hawkeye <laughs> with that soon. Have we got a connection to? I feel really creepy. Like About what? I've listened to so many podcasts of you. It's like I don't know you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but I've like, heard you. that voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> I'll just say I went to school in Boston. I went to Emerson College in Boston. Oh. Back in the old days. Back in what I like to call the 90s. The early 90s. Cool. Yeah. It was a magical time. It was. 
The president was a man named... Who was the president? Oh, it was about what? to be Bill Clinton. First was Bush, then yeah. it was Clinton. Yeah. Clinton Goodfellas the came out. Bush. Silence of the Lambs. Misery. That's oh all my I god, and you were right called. near the movie theater. I was going to say, was the movie theater there? On the common, near the common? It had to be. Oh, I, I, which, which one? The, the, um, now it's an AMC. I think it was a Lowe's at one point, the, but it's oh, a like giant old-style um, multiplex right across yes. from the Boylston stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was there. Yeah, that yeah, was I, like, quite I, fun. I feel like that's been a movie theater since there were movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's just probably where it goes. Yeah. But I was going to loop this around talking about our personal lives. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Oh, yeah. Is very tall and fits the description of Hawkeye in the book perfectly. <laughs> yes. He's apparently 6'3 and a half. I didn't know IMDb did halves. Wow. I didn't know IMDb would put their heights. So yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, why do it to the half? Yeah, that's interesting. That's. I mean, I use a half in my height, but that's because I'm really close and want to pretend I'm taller than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taller than Donald Sutherland and Hawkeye Pierce, and probably Alan Alda and Hawkeye Pierce. I have not looked that up, but I... Oh, I bet you Donald Sutherland's taller than Alan Alda. I would Maybe. think so. I just love... I mean, everything in Donald Sutherland's profile is like, trademark, being tall. <laughs> Biography, he's really tall. Oh, so <laughs> IMDb says Alan Alda is 6'2". So, oh, really? Yeah. And a quarter. <laughs> no, it literally just says 6'2", 1.88 meters, whatever that means. <laughs> I'm, I don't do the metric so well. I'm 2.02 meters. I had to look it up once. A Japanese guy asked me how tall I was. I'm like, 6'7". Oh, He's like, oh, how many meters? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I looked it up. You broke the two mark. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh. I always love uh, Stuff You Missed in History always translates all measurements for their European <laughs> listeners. I'm like, oh. you guys... You're doing a good job. <laughs> One of the things that I found listening to other podcasts that only talk about MASH in the aggregate, not one minute at a time. <laughs> Someone said, everyone in America can do two minutes on what role MASH played in their lives. Mm. So, I mean, we've, we've got you for more than two minutes. But, Tom, if you want to give us your uh, elevator pitch on why this is so fantastic. <laughs> not uh, to lead the witness. <laughs> I feel like I probably saw MASH years and years before I realized it was fantastic. Like, I saw it as a, I don't know, a teenager maybe. or like, I think I was in grade school still when I saw it. Like, sort of in the background, like it was on, like grown-ups were watching it, and I was just kind of on, and I didn't kind of get what was going on, but I thought it was kind of funny. Well, like, that doesn't look like the TV show, but okay. I guess Radar looks sort of like Radar, but okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, the years later, my cousin got me into, my, I have a, this cousin who got me into everything cool that I'm into. Like, from Devo to David Lynch to Robert Altman to Neil Young. Like, everything cool about me is because of Kurt Vonnegut, all of it. And he got me into Robert Altman. And so then I kind of, like, did a backwards dive into all of his older stuff and everything. And I was like, oh, my God. MASH is a Robert Altman movie? That's awesome. Now I love it. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> now it's cool. But, yeah. I do. I, I love all his, all his stuff. And this is one of the best ones. And Nashville's fantastic. A wedding do, do, fantastic. do you like a Prairie Home Companion? I like a Prairie Home Companion, sure. Yeah. Is that going to become one of our survey <laughs> questions? Do I need to be keeping track of this somewhere? <laughs> well, here's my Robert Altman minute for, or, or comment for this minute. You've got uh, All right. David Arkin here as uh, Volmer, 
And I just came up with this theory. I want to say that he's in a lot of Robert Altman movies, and I want to mm-hmm. say that he says what in confusion in every single one. <laughs> like he does. Oh. He's kind of always playing this guy. He gives and, great uh, what. He does, yeah. If you want to see a great, probably his best performance and best scene is in is with Elliot Gould in uh, The Long Goodbye by Robert Altman. And he's like this sort of like gangsters sort of henchman guy. But he's like hmm. totally hapless and like he's supposed to be following Marlowe and Marlowe gives him his address like where he's going to go and stuff so he can follow him more easily and everything. He's just kind of a goof, but he's great. <laughs> I have to admit before doing this project, I never even bothered to pick up that Volmer had a name, was the same guy over oh, these scenes, <laughs> anything like that. Ditto. He was a complete non-entity in all of Drab yeah. to me, and <laughs> I definitely appreciate him more having watched this very closely now. Yeah. Yeah, this minute is kind of perfect Robert Altman-esque. You know, we've got the overlapping dialogue. We've got the sound editing with the chopper noises. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a big middle finger to the studio making him put something (laughs) in (laughs) that the studio didn't get. (laughs) It's a perfect little microcosm. Yeah. But you're going to come back tomorrow, right? (laughs) There's more. I like this movie. I want to watch more of it. Yes! Get you in on the ground floor. Tom, let let the good folks know where they can find you. Oh, where can't you find me? You can find me on the Indiana Jones Minute, where my buddies uh, Pete and Jerry are reviewing all the Indiana Jones movies one minute at a time. You can find me over at uh, the Caddyshack Minute and the Blues Brothers Minute with my buddies Dan and Mike, where we're doing the same things with Caddyshack and the Blues Brothers, but with more dirty words. And you could also, oh, you can find me on ABC Devo. My co-hosts, uh, John Engel from Alien Minute and Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute and our buddy Joe Mazel, where we reviewed every single song by Devo in alphabetical order. Wow. You sound very OCD, but it wasn't my idea. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> See, Megan, I'm not the only one who does these things. <laughs> it's all good. I, I pulled Megan into this world. I'm her cool cousin. <laughs> One of yes. us. One of us. <laughs> if you're looking for more of us, if you would like to be one of us, we've got a Facebook group, the Mash Minute Post Ep Ward. I have to like close my eyes and picture it written out to not say post op. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's only minute four, folks. I will get there. I promise. <laughs> gonna be okay that's where we discuss all our things where you can let us know how you got into mash what your cool cousin got you into (laughs) i mean mine brought me here he got me into star wars so and star wars minute let us hear ergo this is all rich lasky's fault (laughs) (laughs) so i hope you'll all come back tomorrow i've got more about donald sutherland less quotes (laughs) more on eisenhower but i swear shorter speeches (laughs) (laughs) oh eisenhower